Jewish Audio on Chabad.org. So here is a fun trivia question. What is the most celebrated Jewish ritual? What is that one tradition that every single Jewish person does for their own family? More than bagels and locks, what am I talking about? Of course, I am referring to the mitzvah of Brit Milah, the circumcision which is found in this week's Torah portion, that every Jewish baby boy needs to be circumcised on the eighth day of his life. It's incredible to see how every single Jewish person, regardless of the level of observance, their affiliation, their background, circumcises their male children. What is it about a bris? Why is it that a bris is so widespread more than any other Jewish observance? There's a very powerful lesson here. You see, the reason why we circumcise a Jewish child at such a young age, even though in other religions they do circumcision a little bit older, maybe at a time where they can understand and appreciate it, is because the bris symbolizes a bond that we have with God, which is beyond logic. There's no rationale to it whatsoever. The bris represents that our connection with God has very little to do with how much we do and how much we believe, but has a lot to do with the very essence. The reason why we circumcise a Jew when we are a baby is because it comes to highlight and to stress and to symbolize that our bond with God is simply an intrinsic bond that is deeply embedded within our self, within our DNA, within our very existence. That is why we don't wait until we're older and we understand and we appreciate it, because then the circumcision would be an expression of our belief and understanding. The whole idea of circumcising a Jewish child at such a young age of eight days old is to stress the idea that the connection that this child has with God is not because of their understanding which they do not have but rather it's an intrinsic deep bond that every jew inherently has with god and this also explains why the bris is such a prevalent custom if you ask a jewish person why did you circumcise your child they won't know how to explain it one thing they know there's no way they will not circumcise their own child this is because it represents the deep bond that every jew has with god beyond any understanding or any expression the message here is very clear. Ask yourself, how can you express this core identity? If every Jew truly believes, how can you unleash that belief? How can you express it on a regular Tuesday, not just when a baby is eight days old? This week's Torah portion, as we reflect upon the mitzvah of the bris, it's a great time to reflect upon this core bond that we have with God, which allows us to override all the boxes that we put ourselves in. I'm this, I'm that, that's all a bunch of rubbish. You're a Jew. And that's who you are. You're a Jew as pure and as sincere and as genuine as an eight-day-year-old child who's entering the covenant with God. For this week's story, I take you to an incredible moment of a bris that highlights this powerful idea that a Jew is a Jew is a Jew. Join me as we listen to this story that was told by a great rabbi who lived not that long ago, Rabbi Chaim Berlin. Rabbi Chaim Berlin was a child of a great holy rabbi and scholar. He came from a family of tremendous scholars, and he has a fascinating history. He served as a chief rabbi of Moscow in the late 1800s, and ultimately in the early 1900s, he settled in Jerusalem, and he became the assistant chief rabbi of the Jewish community in Jerusalem. He was an incredible giant of a man, and his students noticed that one time during the services, as they were reading the verses from the Torah, which described the story of the Jewish people, he began to cry tremendously, 
uncontrollably. And they came over to him and said, tell us, Rabbi, why are you crying so deeply? What is this all about? So Rabbi Chaim Berlin said, come gather around me. Let me tell you a story. This story that I'm going to tell you takes us back to the time when I was the chief rabbi of Moscow. At the time, Judaism was null and void, non-existent in that city. In fact, if you celebrated Judaism, if you practiced Judaism under communist rule, you were in, your life was in terrible danger. The only people who practiced any kind of Judaism were the older people in town. But the young families, the future generations, Judaism was totally non-existent. From time to time, I would be called in myself for interrogations and I would be beaten for the Judaism that I practice and that I teach. Let me tell you a story that happened one winter night when sure enough, a police officer came to my home and dragged me to the local headquarters of the Russian police force. As I came in, one of the investigators calls me into his room and he starts screaming at me and yelling at me and telling me, tell me exactly who are the people who are involved in your counter-revolutionary activities of teaching Judaism and fanning the flames of Jewish life. Who are the people who are involved? And of course, I didn't answer any of his questions. I stayed there in silence. As I was sitting there, this giant of a man, screaming and yelling, giving me some kicks, stands up and towers over me. He circles around the table and literally standing within six inches of my body, he puts his face right before mine. I was bracing myself for a serious blow, getting ready to be beaten to the ground. Hopefully I'll stay alive. When all of a sudden, to my great surprise, he leans even closer to me and he whispers in my ear, tomorrow, eight o'clock in the morning, come to my home this and this address. There, my newborn baby boy will be waiting for you and you know what to do with him. And with that, he stood up even taller, screamed and told the guards to take me out. For now, I left the room, I was shaken. How do I respond to this? I wasn't sure if this was a trap or maybe this was a real invitation. How could it be that this dangerous Russian police officer who was so cruel, so full of evil and darkness, he is Jewish? He has a Jewish child? He would risk his life and his position and everything he has to circumcise his child? This can't be. But after a whole night of tossing and turning, I decided I must take the risk. Perhaps this is my calling. The next morning, I had a hidden knife for the bris, for the circumcision and my tools beneath my jacket as I went to that particular address. When I came there, it seemed like nobody was home but an old lady. She seemed like the grandmother of the baby. She welcomes me in and she says, Rabbi, thank you for coming. And without saying a word, she shows me where the baby is lying. In that small, quiet apartment, I found the baby all prepped. It seems like nobody else was there. Even the grandmother left the room in fear. I put my stuff down and I did my best to open my heart and pray for this child. I was about to go ahead and give the baby the circumcision. When suddenly I hear a muffled cry and I look up and I see a woman, a young woman rushing into the room. She looked like the mother of the baby. Her eyes were puffy and red. She looked at me with her voice shaking and she said, even though I don't know Hebrew or I don't know Yiddish, I'm still a Jewish woman. 
My ancestors respected rabbis in many different cities. I've strayed very far from tradition. My husband and I are very involved in the Communist Party with my husband being a very high official. But I'm glad that I listened to my mother who begged me to do the circumcision. Certainly, my little boy will be a Jew and will stay a Jew. And the woman then quickly left the room, afraid for what's going to come. Sure enough, Rab Chaim shares how we gave the baby a bris. There was no one there to give the baby a name. So he chose the baby, the name, named the baby Yisrael after the saintly Baal Shem Tov, thinking to himself that this child is named after a great holy person who embodies the power of the Jewish nation. And at that moment, Rab Chaim continued to share the story with his students that he finished the bris and he quickly left and went back home and didn't say a word to anybody. Exactly five days later, once again an officer comes to his home and says, you must come to the station for another interrogation. And sure enough, he comes back to the police station. And as he enters, the same officer, high-ranking communist official, calls him into the room. And he starts screaming and yelling at him. And then he leans forward and he whispers, thank you for circumcising my son. Rab Chaim tells his beloved students, I don't know how I had the courage, but I gathered together my strength and I said, you fight and battle against anything that's holy and you circumcise your son? Why? Why did you do that? Why did you risk your life, your career and everything you have? If you were caught, you would be sent to Siberia just like me. At that moment, this high-ranking communist general looked at him and said the following words, I am already lost. I have become a high-ranking communist official. I cannot go backwards. I am totally assimilated and disconnected. But my child, my little baby is only starting his life. And I want to open up a door for him, for the Jewish people. I want him to have the chance to go back to the ways of his grandparents, great-grandparents, and the great-great-grandparents. And then Rab Chaim Berlin turned to his students and he said to them, that's why I am crying uncontrollably as we pray here today. As we say the word Shema Yisrael, I'm reminded that every Jew, no matter how distant they may seem, at their core they're holy and they're so connected. Because a Jew is a Jew is a Jew. That's the message, my friends, this week. Take it to heart. 